Hello and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. More than 1 million immigrants arrive in the U.S. every year, and it's predicted that immigration will drive 82% of new population growth by 2050. Yet the lack of domestic credit history limits the access to financial services, housing, and even employment. Award-winning fintech Nova Credit helps newcomers and other global citizens apply for financial services using their credit history from countries around the world, providing access to the products and services that most of us take for granted. We are fortunate to have Misha Esipoff, co-founder and CEO of Nova Credit on the Banking Transform show. He will discuss the origination of this innovative service and the growth that has been achieved since Nova Credit's founding. So hello, I'm going to assume that most listeners to the Banking Transform podcast are not first-generation immigrants. For those of you who are, the challenge in establishing credit has definitely been an uphill battle. The lack of credit history impacts the ability to get housing, being employed, as well as inquiring insurance and other basic financial products. I'm excited to have Misha Esipoff, co-founder and CEO of Nova Credit, on the show today to discuss how his firm has addressed the challenge of facing immigrants who want to get credit cards, student loans, and other financial products. So welcome to the show, Misha. Before we start, could you provide our listeners a short background on your interesting background story, as well as the Catch-22 immigrants face trying to get access to the financial system in the U.S.? More than happy. First of all, thanks for having me on the show. It's really a, a pleasure and, a, and an honor to be here. Um, yeah, a little bit about Nova Credit. We've been around for about five, six years. And uh, the core problem that we solve is that you know, millions of people move to the U.S. every year. Uh, these are people who are coming here for, for work, for education, and, and for love. And uh, those are kind of the, the three personas we often talk about. And when someone first arrives uh, and applies for a credit card, an auto loan, a student loan, a place to live, uh, you know, a car loan, all of those services require, uh, you know, having U.S. credit history. And by virtue of having just arrived, uh, this population of people are absolutely credit invisible. And so when they go and apply for those services, uh, they unfortunately get rejected and get stuck in, as you said, the, the catch-22 of banking, where, you know, you need uh, access to product to build history and you need history to get access to a product. And that sort of just continues to to, to spiral and, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but that's really the, the core of the problem that we've solved. So where does Nova Credit actually come in in the process then? Yeah, so effectively what, what we what we did and the way we got started is we, uh, you know, we, we started by doing a bunch of user research and really understanding this, this customer segment, right? Um, US uh, bound immigrants drive the majority of US population growth. There's uh, meaning that there's more people that come to the US every year with the intent to stay, then there are Americans who turn 18 and become eligible for financial services. So this is really, as you think about blue ocean and really attractive customer segments to go after, you can't ignore uh, the, you know, the immigrant segment. It is driving the majority of population growth, and that is only expected to, to increase as uh, U.S. demographics continue to, to shift as you think about uh, populations in urban environments, uh, around universities, et cetera. And anytime someone comes uh, to, to the States, um, prior to Nova Credit, they would apply for a product uh, that, you know, that issuer or the bank would check the U.S. bureaus, Spear and Exchange Union, they would all say, we don't know who this is. And that would kind of be the end of the process, right? And the consumer would get rejected um, or, you know, get stuck with a secured card or some other, um, dare I say, you know, second class product. Um, and the way Nova Credit works is that 
In the middle of an application journey, we allow a consumer who doesn't have sufficient U.S. credit to self-identify and say, hey, I, I may have some history abroad that I want to bring into uh, my, my application to support my eligibility. And we take that user through a very quick workflow where they can go and pull their information from the U.K. or Canada or India or Mexico or Brazil, Nigeria, Kenya, a number of other markets. Uh, we can pull that information in. We standardize it into our core flagship product, which we call the, the credit passport, where the, the thinking is the same way that your passport is how you travel the world. Uh, your credit passport is how you access financial services as you move from, from one country to, to, to another. And that is effectively you know, the jump start. That is what, that is what breaks through the catch-22 and what allows someone that has built some history about themselves prior to coming to the United States to be used to open up doors and opportunities here when they apply for products. So you actually have translated credit bureaus from other countries into something that was somewhat standardized and accepted by a number of financial institutions and, and organizations in the United States then, correct? That's right. Yeah. So we've we've spent more years now than I'd like to admit and more flights and uh, trips all around the world meeting with you know all the major credit bureaus and all the major markets. We work in uh, roughly 20 markets at this point. We can access over uh, credit files on over 1 billion uh, consumers uh, all around the world. And anytime one of those consumers moves to the United States and applies for a financial product, we can tap into their data from wherever they're from, standardize it, make it FCRA compliant, make it COA compliant, and deliver that uh, as a credit reporting agency here in the United States in service of helping them put their best foot forward and get approved. So, so going backwards a little bit, Nova Credit actually originated from a school project at Stanford, didn't it? Can you explain some of the challenges you faced as you went from ideation to actually building a financial services company, so many. I mean, it's been a it's been a roller coaster of a of a of a ride. I think building a a cross border credit bureau uh, or a consumer permission to bureau, however you want to think about it, uh, is is certainly not for the faint of heart. Um, I think you know when we first started, we were just very acutely focused on the user problem. The user problem is very simple. It's incredibly difficult to access financial services as someone who's just arrived uh, to the United States. But solving that problem sort of head on with, um, you know, issuing a credit card for immigrants or, um, you know, offering student loans for immigrants doesn't actually solve the root cause. And the root cause is really an information gap. That information exists in one market, but it has no means to make its way to the United States. And that's really where, where we really wanted to, to play as a business and uh, really focus on solving this problem uh, at a systemic level. But in order to actually bring that to life, you know, we've had to uh, set up relationships with, you know, many credit bureaus all around the world. That is a very challenging process from all, for all sorts of reasons, partnerships, regulatory, information security, variety of other um, dimensions. And then you actually have to, you know, work through uh, the partnership and sale process with some of the largest financial institutions in the world. And that has its own set of challenges. So erecting a business in between, you know, very large, highly regulated enterprises on both sides uh, has been, uh, you know, I'd say a challenging and character building chapter of, of my life. So really, the, the foundation of this problem is there's no central credit bureau for globally. And just like there's no um, identity um, capability globally. So, you know, this what happens in countries where that don't have maybe an existing centralized credit bureau or or can't provide the data that you need to actually standardize it for the United States? Yeah. So if you, if you go around the world and actually look at the emergence of, of credit bureaus, about 20, 25 years ago, there were only about 25 credit bureaus. 
And in the last, you know, 10, 20 years, that number is now well over 250, I think almost 300 credit bureaus around the world. So, you know, the, um, the emergence of consumer credit all around the world has been fueled by the international expansion of Experian FX TransUnion, as well as some of their European competitors, uh, as well as organizations like, you know, multilateral organizations like the World Bank and the UN, who advocate for the existence of credit bureaus because they help promote the safety and soundness of those local banking uh, banking sectors. And so this problem arguably wasn't solvable 20 plus years ago, but now it's at a point where, you know, credit bureaus exist all around the world. Uh, all of the major markets that contribute to U.S. bound immigration have a credit bureau with very few exceptions. And in those markets, we have an integration up and running. And so through the access that we have, we can now uh, plug in and extract data uh, in markets that represent roughly uh, 70% of the annual uh, inflow of U.S. bound immigrants. So I understand you work with both the consumer end and the business end, don't you? Bringing immigrants to financial institutions and financial institutions or businesses to immigrants. How do you reach the constituents to let them know about Nova Credit? And how do you, how do you, because it's not something that becomes part of the standard credit bureau. You got to bring these two parties together, don't you? That's right. So you can really think about uh, the way we interact with consumers in sort of two, two ways. Um, one is we sit uh, embedded within the, and I'll use American Express as an example, within the American Express um, uh, customer application journey where any one of their marketing channels, if that consumer applies for you know, any of American Express's U.S. consumer cards, at this point, 100 percent of uh, their U.S. consumer cards are powered with our capability. And that consumer, as I said earlier, doesn't have sufficient U.S. history. They're given the ability to pull in their, their, their international history. So that's kind of mechanism number one. Mechanism number two is that consumers can actually just come to us, to novacredit.com, and identify where they're from. So let's say you're from India or Canada. And then based on where you're from, we will put forward um, you know, personalized recommendations based on what are the best cards for people from where you're from or based on the needs. So it's almost like a Credit Karma-like model or Nerd wallet like model where you can come to us and then we will uh, you know, uh, display uh, some of the best cards that that can really uh, make use of your international credit information and and jumpstart your journey to building history here in the United States. So, how do immigrants find out about you? Yeah, a lot of different uh, different channels. I mean, uh, many are just organically applying to you know uh, some of our partners, and then all of a sudden they they see they aren't aware that this is a problem, and they're going through it. And all of a sudden, they realize, oh wow, this is actually something that can. Uh, you know, as we said earlier, break through the catch-22 or dramatically accelerate or jumpstart uh, building U.S. credit. Uh, in terms of our own work, um, you know, we're experimenting with a variety of, of channels. Um, we work across uh, industries as well. So we're not only in financial services. Uh, we are investing very heavily uh, in other areas like helping people get housing. Um, so real estate, property management, helping people get cell phone plans and device financing. And that helps us sort of uh, you know, create this, this one-stop shop for consumers where when you first arrive in the United States, you know, you're going through a very vulnerable period of transition where you have to reestablish your entire, you know, financial footprint, uh, as well as, you know, some of these other services and being able to help unlock services across uh, all, the, all your uh, core needs is what uh, can really help make that immigration journey a lot less vulnerable. You actually go beyond simply the credit bureau side of this also, don't you? You because as an immigrant, <clears throat> there's a, a misunderstanding about, you know, U.S. financiers. Do you also help educate 
the immigrants around what's available to them and, and how to how to navigate our, our very complex system? Yeah, so we, we spent a lot of time uh, and effort on uh, building what I, what I would call a, uh, you know, a robust content library that helps consumers uh, understand, um, you know, what is a credit bureau? Uh, why is it important to your life in the United States to have a, uh, a thick file? Uh, what are the types of opportunities that it can uh, unlock for you? How much savings can you have by having, you know, an 800 score versus a, you know, five, 600 score? Um, and as well as, you know, laying out some of the frictions that you know, somebody will experience upon arrival and trying to open an account uh, or even just get a cell phone plan. Um, and having done, you know, hundreds of user user testimonials and user research interviews over the, over the years, like there are so many uh, areas where a lack of credit history just makes that immigration journey so much more challenging. And those are the types of areas where we can help create a lot of value. The immigrant population is huge. People with thin credit files are huge. Why wouldn't legacy financial institutions be knocking on your door every day to try to say, how do we partner with you to provide this as a service to our customers? What, what, what am I missing here? I mean, man, many are. Um, I think, you know, as, as banks think about their growth strategies for uh, the next few years, um, you can't ignore the shift in U.S. demographics, right? I, I, you know, I mentioned this this uh, data point earlier from the U.S. Uh, Census Bureau, uh, how 55% of U.S. population growth is coming from immigration. If you fast forward 20, 30 years, this is U.S. Census Bureau data, that number is expected to grow to 80%, meaning there are four times more uh, consumers who are entering the U.S. financial services uh, as immigrants, then there are Americans who turn 18 to become eligible for financial services. And this is a this is a demographic challenge. And so for, you know, the marketing and P&L owners or the risk officers, who are, you know, who, who may be listening, like not having a strategy for how to attract and retain the newcomers, the, you know, the recent immigrant segment is a recipe to lose market share over time, like just d demographically speaking. And so that that really has been a, a key driver for, you know, our partnership process and helping educate uh, our partners about uh, what's happening in U.S. demographics and talking about, you know, what are the core channels for where these individuals are coming through, going through credit risk workshops and explaining, you know, the actual proving now having you know operated for five, six years, what the credit quality of these consumers actually looks like. Uh, and that's really where where we, um, you know, where, where our superpower lies as, as a business is being able to help cast light on a segment that's otherwise invisible and help our partners win this segment um, in a way that was never possible before. So it's interesting. You, you talk about this segment and, and it appears that while you tried to solve for a specific problem to begin with, every door you open kind of opens the room to more doors as how you can expand your services. How do you approach innovation in Nova Credit as you're trying to solve grander issues than simply credit bureaus for uh, new immigrants? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to come back to, you have, anytime you get lost, you have to get back to your user. Um, and so I make it a, uh, you know, a regular part of my, of, of my calendar to make sure that I'm still talking to users on a regular basis. Uh, and so uh, making sure that our leadership team and our marketing team and our product teams, even our engineering teams are talking to users and uh, learning from them, empathizing with them, understanding their challenges. And it's through that user research that you start to unlock insights, like what are the, the channels that can help us better drive awareness within this segment? What are the pain points that aren't yet being met? 
what are the types of products that you know for example we hear uh, we don't we don't currently work with uh, with chase but um, you know we constantly hear about like how some parts of the segment are really looking for some of their products and that 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 helps us sort of steer some of our other parts of our business and saying um, you know uh, you know here's you know 100 customers who've mentioned this brand like we should be uh, getting in front of them as quickly as we can when you talk about the the putting forth your services, there's got to be a financial model there. I, I know that you've had outside investments, but how does Nova Credit or how will Nova Credit actually make money in the marketplace? Yeah, I mean, we, we've been generating revenue now for about you know five plus years at this point. Um, the way we make money is uh, the, the product and service is, is free for consumers. Uh, and we charge similar to uh, to how a credit bureau charges, which is Every time that our data, our infrastructure, our analytics um, is used and helps create value, uh, we capture uh, a piece of that um, uh, of that value that we help create. Uh, and so we're, we're paid by the enterprise, uh, and the product uh, is, is is free for consumers. How many customers or how many immigrants have you actually touched that uh, you can track? Yeah, we've seen, I mean, I'd say hundreds of thousands uh, at this point uh, of immigrants who, who cross our systems in, in, in some way. Um, you know our market penetration is still uh, is still growing. Um, you know I, I think we're we're now seeing somewhere in the range of almost 10% of this market coming through our system in some way, interacting with the Nova Credit services, uh, and that number is is really is really accelerating here month month over month. Is there any competition in the marketplace for the way you go about um, solving the immigration credit bureau issues? I know there's products out there for the immigrant community, but I think you're addressing it in a different way, really yeah. making it so that, that you can unify the credit bureaus. Yeah, I mean, I have yet to see of a competitor that's doing exactly what, what we're doing in terms of actually solving this problem at, at, at the root cause, like at the systemic level. Um, our, our hope and ambition and what we are doing is, you know, we want anyone who arrives here to be treated as if they were still home. Right for the banking sector to view them as if you know they had lived here their entire their entire life, and as opposed to having to resort to you know picking from a handful of uh, service providers that really cater to to this segment. We want anyone to be able to get the American Express card, the you know the uh, Chase Auto Loan, the um, you know the cell phone plan of their dream, whatever it is that they're looking for, student loans, that that is available to them irrespective of whether they are American or whether they just arrived here yesterday. Um, and so there, there's, there, as you said, there are a bunch of players that are focused on this segment. We do help power uh, many of them. Uh, we wish them all well. I think they help contribute to, to the ecosystem, ultimately making that immigration journey a little smoother. So let's take a short break here and recognize the sponsors of this podcast. This show is sponsored by FIS. Have you ever felt frustrated in checking out online or making a payment over the phone? The go-kart team at FIS Impact Lab certainly was, and that's why they created a better payment experience. Go-kart recognizes your email and lets you pay quickly anywhere with no passwords and no long forms. You can pay faster for anything, even things you wouldn't expect like healthcare, professional services, and more. Go-Kart also goes beyond online checkout and allows you to pay easily by email, text, and even with QR codes. If you sell products or services online or in-store, find out how you can use Go-Kart to simplify payments and increase your sales at gokartpay.com slash podcast. FIS, advancing the way the world pays banks and invests. 
Welcome back. I'm joined today by Misha Esipoff, co-founder and CEO of NOAA Credit. We've been discussing the unique service that NOVA Credit provides immigrants that opens the door for credit and financial services in the marketplace. Now, as we've been discussing, NOVA Credit uses alternative data source to provide access to financial services. You know, this is a challenge to people even outside the immigrant community as well. What do you see in the future of alternative credit data sources? I, I mentioned to you in our pre-discussion that, that I was in uh, uh, China, Shenzhen, China, about two years ago right now, and found that all kinds of data was being used to make it so that there were inclusionary financial services. They were using uh, cell phone data, mobile phone data, and mobile data overall, and they're using rental payments and utility payments, all these things that we really have a hard time embracing in the United States. You know, what do you see as the future of alternative data overall? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we we spend a lot of time uh, as, as a company, as a leadership team, sort of um, pontificating about how, how the world will continue to, to evolve. Um, and I think our, our view is that, and, and you, you see this with um, the direction of global data privacy rules and, and things like GDPR, um, more power will go into the hands of the consumer. And, you know, we think that's like a, a really uh, powerful um, and like, I think creates a bit more of an optimistic view uh, of uh, the direction of consumer credit uh, availability, because if, if you believe that like consumers own their own data, which, you know, I think substantially all, you know, global data privacy regimes do, do believe, then they, if you believe that they can unlock that data as part of a credit application, then they have the ability to put their best foot forward. And ultimately, it's up to the risk officer to, deter to determine, you know, which of those data sources actually do improve or, or, or perhaps actually detract from someone's eligibility to be approved. But, but our, our belief is that consumer permissioned data, which I would broadly um, categorize as like a subset of alt data, like that that is, is the future, that consumers will be able to permission into an application some piece of information or a series of, of, of pieces of information about themselves that help complement, augment, improve upon a credit bureau file that may or may not exist. And so in a nutshell, that, I mean, that, that is what we do, um, where if you don't have enough U.S. credit bureau information or any, uh, you can support your eligibility by pulling in your credit passport, right? By pulling in your credit bureau data that exists outside of the U.S. financial system. And I know we'll get into this, but a lot of our work in open banking uh, and um, helping uh, use your bank transaction data to help increase your likelihood of approval uh, is, is another part of the future that, that we're making a big bet on. Obviously, the elephant in the room is that you have three major credit bureaus that actually have a penetration throughout the world. How do you work with, or how do you compete with, or how do you partner with, or whatever way you want to work with it, with the, the three big credit bureaus that, that aren't really competition for you as much as just a dynamic within the marketplace that has to be recognized? I mean, we work with them in, in dozens of markets uh, at this point. We, we are a, um, a customer of theirs, right? We are buying credit bureau data in all these markets that I've mentioned. Um, and we are bringing it into the U.S. 
with the express and voluntary consent of the consumer. That's kind of the regulatory uh, side of it. And then once the information is here in the United States, we act as a credit bureau uh, and, and, and deliver that information. I think what, one of the reasons, and, you know, I would describe our, our broad relationship with the credit, with the credit bureaus as certainly uh, friendly. You know, they, they, they do keep a good eye on us. We're subject to audits, all that uh, good stuff. But I think part of the reason for why, you know, a new entrant was necessary to, to really solve this problem is that none of the credit bureaus are truly, truly global. They're more actually more regional uh, in nature where uh, to, to throw out a few examples, you know, Experian doesn't exist in uh, Mexico and Canada. Like our two neighboring countries here, they don't really exist from a consumer credit bureau perspective. Uh, TU, TransUnion didn't really exist in Europe until they just bought uh, call credit in, in the UK. Um, you know, Equifax, um, you know, has a, uh, doesn't really have all that much of a presence uh, in Asia. None of the bureaus exist in China, in Korea, um, in Nigeria, uh, I believe in Indonesia. And so some of the largest sources of migration and population, the bureaus don't exist in. And so one of the reasons for why a new entrant had to emerge is because we are neutral. Uh, you know, we are non-threatening for the most part, uh, and we can work with everybody. And that's that's precisely what we've done. We're sort of the, the Switzerland, uh, if you will, where we partner with all the bureaus, we partner with independent bureaus around the world, and we help solve an industry problem, a global industry problem um, that many thought was impossible or too too challenging to uh, to solve. Is there a reciprocal potential here where where you can actually provide data on the U.S. credit bureaus to um, com- countries that don't currently use those? I mean, is there is there the same opportunity? I, I think I read that you you now have done the same type of thing that you've done in the U.S. in Canada. But are there reciprocal arrangements? I, as I said, you open one door, you see four more than be opened. I, I'm just thinking that this is a, a global problem, isn't it? This is something that really has to be solved beyond just the United States to really take care of the credit bureau and the credit access issues around the world. You got it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's precisely right. And that is solving those problems is, is, is core to our, you know, our medium and long-term strategy where, you know, today we can access data in uh, roughly 20 markets, over a billion consumers. And anytime one of those consumers moves to the United States across any one of those corridors, we can plug an information gap that was previously impossible to, to solve. And uh, we haven't yet announced uh, any of this yet, but this year we will be announcing, uh, you know, our international expansion plans, uh, where we will be working to unlock corridors destined for other markets. So anyone moving from those 20, 20 plus markets to markets like Singapore, the UK, Canada, Australia, the UAE, um, uh, you know, those are the markets that have a huge influx of immigration where this problem also exists. And that's an opportunity for us to serve more people around the world and help solve that catch-22 challenge in other key markets. Well, I imagine that also opens the door to opportunities that maybe there aren't as many people moving from X country to the United States, but within borders that, that still don't have that capability that it opens up new new countries to a bigger better profit margin on on things that you wouldn't have had otherwise. So that's kind of interesting. So we did talk a little bit about open banking, but do you see Nova Credit going beyond simply financial services to other components of an immigrant's daily life? I mean, we talk about open banking. We talk about the ability to bring, you know, the let's say, you know, I talk about uh, mobile 
um, the ability to get mobile mobile standards, you know, mobile phones, things of this nature. You know, do you see it going beyond simply financial services and and real estate? Yeah, I mean, I think there's um, there's more opportunity to unlock consumer data uh, than you know. <laughs> Then, then there are people working on financial services uh, projects and startups right now. There's just like so much opportunity to bring data into the hands of a consumer to unlock uh, opportunities that they're looking for. I think in in the world of open banking, we haven't been uh, we haven't shared all that much in the market quite yet. But we did have a an announcement with SoFi um, uh, late last year, who's one of our one of our great partners, where you know similar to how we have gone around the world and aggregated credit bureau data, we are now partnering with a number of uh, open banking partners to aggregate open banking players. And it's another opportunity to give consumers the ability to put their best foot forward. If they have insufficient credit bureau information, they can. if they're an immigrant, they can pull in their uh, credit passport. If they're just a regular American or someone who's new to credit uh, that has a bank account but hasn't really uh, had much experience building, building their own credit history, we can start to tap into their uh, open banking data through a variety of, of, of players and use that to help them put their best foot forward. Um, so we've got uh, more more on the horizon that we'll be announcing here in the next few months. But it, it is, I, I think, it's there's so much opportunity out there to, as I said earlier, augment, complement, enhance the information that is currently being collected in the bureaus. So this this is getting to be more of an identity issue, more than just financial services and credit, isn't it? I mean, it it really is. It it's it's kind of like people have talked about the the blockchain being able to use internationally to build an identity, but but really at the foundation of almost any identity is the ability to to have a financial identity in the process, isn't it? You got it. I mean, the, you know, as as any uh, risk officers on the line, you know, will will we'll say. You know, credit credit risk is about ability to pay and, and willingness to pay. And uh, you know, your your willingness to pay is now uh, you know, relatively well solved with um, credit bureau data. It's been you know obviously proven for for many decades. Yes, there are still gaps and thin files, and you know, 25 plus million people who are arguably unscorable. There are there's a lot of opportunity there, and then in the immigrant segment, kind of falls squarely within that. Um, but on the the willingness to pay side, like there's there aren't really uh, well-established, complete solutions out there. Yes, there's things in the world of verification of income, but we see a lot of opportunity there for us to take our expertise, which is really in data aggregation, data analytics, consumer permissioning, being a credit bureau ourselves, handling consumer disputes, knowing all of those mechanics, um, and really helping uh, you know make uh, make the lives of consumers who are new to the credit system a lot easier by uh, complementing what limited or no information they have in the bureaus by unlocking banking data or unlocking things like credit passport and a variety of additional data sources down the road. So as we are entering 2022, what do you see as the biggest opportunity in the marketplace today for Nova Credit and, and what right now is the biggest challenge you're facing? Yeah, I mean, in terms of opportunity, I mean, we, we, we see it in, in the monthly visa data as well as is in our volumes. We are uh, on the cusp of a probably what we believe is the largest immigration boom in, in U.S. history. Um, the, if you look at F-1 visa issuances, F-1s are international students. Uh, in the last few months, it's, it's record highs. Uh, we're continuing to see it in our metrics as we start this year. And as we look to the rest of the year, as we look to what's happening in the U.S. labor market, there is just a dire need for talent that can start working and cool down U.S. inflation uh, right now. And so we're preparing for uh, a really exciting period of, of growth with respect to 
uh, immigration uh, coming into the United States. Um, and, you know, this that's really our core bread and butter. Um, I think the other opportunity we're incredibly excited about is to continue to support not only recent immigrants, but frankly, anyone who's new to credit, anyone who's struggling with uh, getting access and being able to put uh, put their best foot forward with our our, our suite of solutions in the um, the bank transaction data space. Our, I'll put a quick plug in for our our head of risk and analytics, Sarah Davies, uh, has been with the company for three four years now. She's the uh, one of the creators of the Vantage Score, and so a lot of that superpower that um, she's brought to standardizing uh, credit bureau data and putting for and creating the Vantage Score. That's happening in the world of of uh, of, of bank transaction data. Um, in terms of challenges, so many. I mean, recruiting right now is incredibly challenging. It's such a tight labor market. Being able to bring in, you know, premier technical talent on the engineering side, on the data science side, I'm sure, you know, every, every bank is also struggling with that. I mean, we're, we're certainly uh, struggling to, uh, to to grow as fast as we can on the people side. Um, and then it's, you know, the struggle of any uh, ambitious and, and oftentimes naive and optimistic first-time founder is like, trying to take on too much at the same time, right? Like we're expanding internationally, we're taking, we're building new products, we're expanding into new verticals, all of that on a you know relatively small and, and nimble and, and, and uh, I think ambitious team. It's, it's a challenging uh, operating environment, but it's ultimately what we've signed up for. You know, it's really exciting. It, it's just a story that was brought to me by my producer, Leah, and 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 it's it's a very interesting story in that not just how you started as a as a school project, but just for somebody that's getting into the financial service arena for the first time in a very unique way. But every time I, I'm talking to you, I, or every question we ask, I keep on seeing that in my mind's working on, boy, this could go this direction, this could go this direction. I'm sure that's the same challenge that you had, that the you, you thought that you'd have a very narrow path, and all of a sudden it opens up tremendously as to what's possible and, and still what's needed. Um, it's a it's a huge problem. Um, if, if an organization, a financial institution, either a fintech or a traditional financial institution, wants to find out how to partner with you with regard to building better credit capabilities and accessibility for the immigrant market, where do they turn? How do they get a hold of you? Just email me. <laughs> we're uh, we're not we're not that big and, and bureaucratic of an organization. I'll say yet, and hopefully never. Um, but uh, yeah, just Misha at NovaCredit.com, M-I-S-H-A at NovaCredit.com, and, and happy to have a conversation and, and set you up with our team. Um, we work with you know a variety of, of players across verticals, whether it be cards or auto or mortgage or personal loans or student loans or. Um, uh, you know, telecom or helping people get apartments. These are all opportunities to help win uh, an incredibly prized uh, customer segment that uh, from a credit risk perspective will will outperform your average customer. From a, um, from a spend perspective being, for example, first card and wallet, uh, is that is that that is where you want to be from a referral perspective they tell their friends like this is a really 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 high value customer uh, and being able to actually cast light on them can be quite uh, transformational to you know a new account growth strategy what's interesting is you're doing a lot of the, the heavy lifting for organizations that need to offer this to their to their clients and to people that they'd like to reach in the marketplace so thank you so much for being on the show today i really appreciate the conversation thank you jim really 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 uh, a pleasure to be here and thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform. Raise a top five banking podcast and winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoy what we're doing, please take some time to give the show some love in the form of review. It helps us to continue to get these great guests we're getting. 
Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out the research you're doing for the Digital Bank Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Roll Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, access to credit is a basic in living today. We need to provide access to everyone in the marketplace. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.